Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. If he had held the ball laces out like he's supposed to, Reddy would never have missed that kick. Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rot in hell. Would you like a cookie, son? Welcome to the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Steenbergen. With me, as always, a third-year goalpost painter for the Washington Redskins, Colin Steenbergen. Thanks. Great to be here. And not being able to join us this week, uh, suffering from a gluten hypochondria case, uh, Brian Goers. Yeah, so, he's uh, he's scared of gluten. I know, and as many are. Yeah. And, uh, like most of those people, he has no allergy whatsoever. No, no, not so, at all. Anyway, we're here today to talk about something very important. The Tigers, Mizzou Tigers beat t- the Tennessee Volunteers on the road again. They're... Uh, millionth consecutive road victory i think i don't, I don't know if i have my stats i think that was you know i think that's right one million yeah so the tigers uh, should play only road games i guess yeah well i think based on what happened against georgia and in, in indiana yeah yeah so i'm wildly impressed with the defense of our tigers and i'm really stoked about the fact that despite the ups and downs and we have devoted a lot of time this year to screaming and ranting and raving about many aspects of the team yet here we are in a position the last game of the season to possibly clinch the sec east division for the second consecutive year and only our third year in the sec my uh my excitement has reached its uh, zenith I am I am at a point now where there are many points in the season where I did not feel like recording this podcast. I was uh, just not well, into it. I mean, we hadn't we just weren't doing anything to inspire enthusiasm, and now I'm super stoked. Uh, there are a lot of people who who all year long have not been enthused to download the podcast. I know that. Yeah. Well, you know, I can look across uh, at Brendan, and he is, obviously has a chub, mm-hmm. as do I. I mean, I think that's indication enough that we're glad both it's pretty... noticeable. <laughs> well, just barely. The uh, <laughs> I think that's indication enough that we're both pretty excited about what's going on. We we handled Tennessee despite, Brennan, what might have been the most awful special teams oh. performance I have ever seen, second only to our offensive line's performance <laughs> as far as awfulness goes. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I This team, I think I feel about this team. Yeah. Let me just start out a different way. Last year was like sort of a love of the life. I, I felt about last year's team like a uh, a rom-com movie relationship. I loved last year's team. They could do near, almost no wrong in my eyes. Even when they lost to South Carolina, I felt like, eh, nobody's perfect, but God, I love this team. This year has been more like the uncle you're embarrassed to have at your family gatherings, but God damn, he's blood. You gotta you gotta love him, mm-hmm. even though he's mostly an embarrassment. Yeah, and and I've turned a corner on them, and now. They're the uncle that is 
friendly to everybody, but he did molest me at age three. And as long as they're going to overlook that, <laughs> yeah. still pretty good guy. But he also got, got you a job now as an adult. You exactly. know what I mean? And like it really greased the skids for you. Yeah, and that in, in really life. good guy, a little molesty. <laughs> yeah. That's this year's Tiger team. Yeah, super molesty. Yeah, so Colin mentioned the fact that they... And I think, if I may interject, that's probably the term that describes this team best this year. Super molesty. Little molesty. Little molesty. Okay, let's go with Yeah, that. I mean, they're not super molesty. <laughs> well, let's not... They're not <laughs> Kansas, for Christ's sakes. I don't want to use a bunch of hyperbole. You're right. Yeah. Little molesty. Don't overstate it. Yeah. But I think we can all agree, this year's Missouri Tiger, and I think Gary Pinkle maybe... Now, I don't know if he said it or not, but I think he's thinking it. They're a little molesty. Yeah. And anyway... Um, <laughs> yeah. Colin mentioned that the uh, the special teams was terrible, the worst I've ever seen, and it's bizarre because when we played Florida, I'd never seen a Mizzou team play better special teams. Yeah, they the did same everything right, the same team, the exact same team looked like they didn't even know that they had to perform special teams play. They did every aspect of special teams play poorly, and then of course the offensive line, which for the fucking last two games and most of the season is the most jittery line I have ever seen. There are high school teams that are more disciplined than this bunch of numbnuts who they get false starts in the most crucial positions. If we're first in goal from the five, they will get a false well, start. Well, what I think it is part of that is is if it's on um you know, third down, there's a lot of movement on the defense, there's a safety, he's running up the line, and he's backing off, there's, you know, a lot of things like that. And I don't think this offensive line trusts itself, and for good reason, they're not very good, and they do get jittery. Like, oh, God, they're, they're bringing somebody on the left side. Who's got that? Whose assignment is that? And everybody starts getting, you know, their butthole puckered up, and it's so infuriating to watch. And they do, they finished in the last couple of games to do back-to-back penalties. Yeah, you know what I mean? I know, it's just... They, they've shot themselves in the foot so many times. I mean, the number of penalties are racked up. It's unbelievable. And it's not just the offensive line, but they lead the way in what? penalties. If we hadn't lost, if we hadn't won this game, there would be a lot to complain about, Brandon. There really would have been. But the truth is, is we won this game. And let me be the first to say, because I am continually taking a dump on his chest, um, Matty Mock played a pretty decent game for portions of this game. And again, like I said last week, this was not a good game for Matty Mock. But it wasn't a bad game. And in the fourth quarter especially, he really showed up. You know, in the first part of the game, in the first quarter, I actually felt bad for Manny Mock. He threw a couple of really well-thrown balls that were just flat-out dropped. All three of his big receivers, Sasser, White, and Hunt, dropped key early passes. Uh, The the worst one by far was Bud Sasser, our most reliable receiver, who dropped what would have been a surefire touchdown in the first quarter. That was in his bread basket. I think um, the other disturbing part is one of those other drops by uh, Jimmy Hunt was for a, a big third down conversion, too. I mean, they were dropping them in the worst possible circumstances. But that, that, that passed to Sasser. Ugh. Now, they, they ended up getting it together, and, and Mock had, I'd say he had his most accurate throwing game in SEC play this year. Um, and he still made a few mockisms as he's going to do. But if he performed at this level all season long, I don't think I'd have the same sort of trepidation about the guy he, that I did. You know what earlier tickles me? I, I love trolling Twitter after we win these games. Is how disappointed everyone in the SEC is when they lose to Missouri. I mean, there is just a blind <laughs> assumption within the conference that like Missouri, for some reason, is like a like just a write it down W. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody does it, and then. So you get on the 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 Twitter machine on the interwebs. Twitter box. Yeah, and um, they're just like, how does this happen? 
the refs are in, this is the one that gets me, is Tennessee fans were just bawling about the refs, and where I, I thought Mizzou was just taking it in the can most of the game, Tennessee saw it a completely different way. <laughs> we gave Hunt a little grief for a drop pass earlier. He got screwed, blued, and tattooed on a offensive pass interference. God. It was horrible. Now, granted, too, this is the second week in a row that a good play from Hunt has been negated by a terrible call by the officials. Last week, there was a phantom offensive pass interference uh, call on White when Hunt caught a touchdown. And on replay, it was, if anything, White got held. It was not a pass interference play. And then it, this happened again. There was a lot of accusations again on Twitter from the Mizzou fans of home cooking officials. Yeah. So it could, yeah. Know. Well, you know, I, somebody had tweeted, and I don't know if this is true, I didn't check it out, but that, you know, I don't know how many times Mizzou and Tennessee have played one another in the modern era, but they, at least they had tweeted that Tennessee has never beaten Mizzou in the modern era. So the, for Vol fans to just assume that they were going to take Missouri and, and to the woodshed was just, you know, completely out of line. And uh, Yeah, and, and I think there's a lot of hubris by SEC fans, obviously. I mean, they're a great conference, but the thing about the conference is they're not all Alabama. A lot of the teams yeah. are just as good or worse than any other conference. And so when we came in, there were people, I think they looked at us as a Vanderbilt or Kentucky. Yeah, exactly. Rather than what we should have been looked at as more of like a Tennessee or a, or a Florida now. I don't know. We're not, we're not an Auburn. We're not an Alabama. We're not at an elite level. But we're a team you don't want to play and a team that can beat you. And I think a lot of SEC fans never even consider that as well, an I don't option. Well, I don't think... Um, Our first year didn't help. That SEC either. fans even knew Mizzou existed more no. or less, and so and they certainly didn't research us. No, and so a, they just bought whatever they were selling when they brought us into the conference. And I think what most people were selling was Mizzou is just not that competitive, and you guys are going to be able to chalk this up as a W. And I think they think Mizzou hurts the brand because they weren't going to be very good, but Mizzou helps the brand. But what makes them even matter than Mizzou hurting their brand because they're not good is Mizzou being good and kicking their fucking heads in. And now this team that everybody had sold to them as Vanderbilt is beating them uh, on their on their turf. You know, the uh, we won at A and M, we won at Florida, we won at Tennessee. I mean, these teams. When are we beating these teams? We're going to their place and doing it. We're beating them at everywhere. I think it's. I think it is eight consecutive SEC road wins and ten consecutive. So that million overall. we said earlier was not accurate. Well, I mean, it's a plus-minus scale. I don't know okay. exactly. We're okay. not here to do stats. No, we're, we're not. not we're sci- not that show. We're not scientists. No, we're not that show. So, anyway. you know, listen to other podcasts. I'm sure they get into the stats. Yeah, it's somewhere between eight and a million. Let's just leave it at that. Don't ask us to do math. We're not here for that. <laughs> Overall, pluses and minuses. I will say this is a gritty team. They have a lot of flaws, obviously, and we're basically. If we beat Arkansas, we're playing for the right to get our asses hammered by Alabama, which we alluded to before. I still think that is a the most likely scenario. I'm not going <laughs> to put Mizzou on a pedestal they don't belong on, but I would be thrilled to get back to. Atlanta. Oh, I would too. I'd love just when the SEC East again. We'll have that. Our, I mean, jam it up. All their these people were talking again. about after the game. We lost Tennessee fans and Georgia fans all tweeting like Mizzou. You know. The hashtag fuck Mizzou was literally trending on Twitter. And just they're so angry at us. And this team is not legitimate. And this team is blah, 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 blah. So what does that make you? We're beating you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, maybe we're not Alabama. And they're going to go to the SEC championship and get the fucking shit kicked out of them. Well, what would you get? What would happen to you? Because we beat you. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know I th- what I've noticed when I do my trolling, which is I devote a lot of time to, is there is that element that fuck Mizzou. They don't belong. But there is there is a lot of unbelieving in Mizzou, not believing in Mizzou, by pundits, by 
uh, the teams we're going up against until we beat them, and then we do grudgingly gain a little bit of respect yeah. from certain fans mm-hmm. and players. Uh, the players said, by far, the Tennessee players said they've never gone up against a defensive line this season as stacked as Mizzou's was, and I bet they haven't because they look fucking awesome. I'll tell you what I think. Joshua Dobbs appeared, I think, to be upset after the game, although it's virtually impossible <laughs> to tell what his expression is. Yeah, without eyebrows, who knows? Oh, my God. Let's talk about what he looks like because it is an alien creature. And um, Well, I put uh, several pictures on Twitter, um, one of Admiral Akbar, which I think mm-hmm. was a— fairly striking likeness. I did hear him say it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> the um there was a there's a movie called like Alien Nation that was like from the early 80s. I never actually saw this movie, but the people in I remember seeing like a poster for it and thinking that looks like Joshua Dobbs. The weird thing is is everybody without That's eyebrows right. is powder white in all the movies and stuff. So when I was looking for comparisons, mm-hmm. uh, the closest thing I could do was just make the assumption that he's the uh, product of an interracial relationship with Voldemort. <laughs> I think Voldemort's the best guess. But uh, B-movie from the 80s, it's a poignant reference. I'm sure that'll help yeah, a lot exactly. of listeners. <laughs> yeah, I dig deep. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Tennessee, I don't think... Uh, here's another thing. We we won by eight points, a, a single score, basically. A lot of that was due to Andrew Baggett. We're going to devote at least 45 minutes, I think, to bashing Andrew Is that Baggett. it? Well, we want to be fair to the kid. He's just a college kid. But anyway... Missouri played much better than that. Again, it's against A&M and against Tennessee, I thought we did look like the better team on the field. Our own mistakes and a lot of fuck-ups on our, our part, being on the road possibly, caused it to be closer games than the— Oh, Brennan, I think in this Tennessee game, without with a little better coaching, a little less penalties, a little better play on special teams, we housed Tennessee. I yeah. mean, we don't just win. We housed Tennessee. They, were, they did not know what to do on offense. No. I mean, they had that final drive, which the defense was wearing down. They were desperate. And when but, our offensive line was not committing penalties, our offense looked pretty decent. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, the, you know, against A&M as well, the offensive line made holes for our running backs. They're not the worst. They just cannot hold a position until no, a snap. They no. jump. They're, they're pass blocking a suspect at times, but really the run blocking, and most people tell you most offensive lines like run blocking. It's the easier of the blocking to do, and it's what they prefer to do. It's more physical. But, you know, they, they're they a pretty athletic line. They can get out and they can pull. They they, they do some good things, And but two games in a row now, I mean, Gary Pinkle's got to do something. This, this, this line is going to cost them something big at some point. They've won the last two games, so it's easy to kind of blow it off, but, you know, mm-hmm. you go to, into Arkansas uh, with an opportunity to take the SEC East title, and a penalty like this crams it in your butt, you know, I may have to drive to Columbia and strangle Connor McGovern to death. And nobody wants to see that. Connor McGovern wants to live. I don't want to go to prison. Mm-hmm. But what, what what choice do I have, Brendan, if you this happens? You don't have much at all. I, I think uh, you maybe ought to put Brad McNulty on your uh, hit list. I'll probably murder all of them. I mean, mm-hmm. once I get that, you know, go into that blind rage that I, you know about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm probably going to murder a lot of people. Some mm-hmm. of them are not even offensive linemen. Who knows what happens when that, ha- when that switch gets flipped? All I'm saying is that I don't want that to happen. I don't. So, Gary, Coach Pinkle, win let's, sprints. You know, let's let's get these guys playing football. Yeah, I mean, if Colin has to do that, it's good for the Tigers. You know, I think our second stringers couldn't do worse as far as the all, all false starts are concerned. So, you know, whatever. All in all, I'm just overjoyed. Actually, I mean, there's a lot of I've been a frustrated. It's been a roller coaster of a year, but somehow, some way, we've managed to be nine and two. Six and one in conference, and a lot of people now are talking about uh, Gary Pinkle being SEC Coach of the Year. Well, I'll tell you what, without that Indiana loss right now, I am every bit as ecstatic as I was last year. 
I mean, that the only thing holding me back is that we lost Indiana. And it's not really the Indiana loss that, that bugs me particularly. It's the fact that that's what people will use to hold us down, even if we do do something special this season. Yeah, fuck them. You know. But um, <laughs> I, I'll tell you this. I think the Georgia loss and the Indiana loss may help Gary Pinkle's case for SEC Coach of the Year. I'll tell you why. It's it be, may, Those losses made it obvious that he does not have the weapons that he had last year. So he's won games despite having a lesser team, and that's what – folks you know respect a coach for is to be able to pull off wins gut out wins and get good performances from teams that aren't the best in the league and that's what they've done this year get the most with what you've been given i think the you know i the only thing i hate about the georgia loss is how handily we got beat at home because the georgia bulldog fans you know rubbed our noses in that and i don't think if these two teams played again it would be that sort of outcome i think it would be a very competitive game but you're never going to get that chance so but you know, fuck those guys. We're going to win the SEC East if we win next week against Arkansas, which is going to be a tall order. It will be a tall order. I'm really excited about it, and I'm hoping to see a full packed furrow field on a blackout Friday night game after well, as, Thanksgiving. As far as SEC's marketing department trying to promote uh, Mizzou, Arkansas as a big rivalry, this game couldn't have fallen better for them. It's Absolutely. really turning into a game where um, if Arkansas beats us, it's going to Build, start, yeah, going to really start that that fire of hatred that we could only compare to something like Kansas. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Nobody's Kansas, but you know, I mean, they did pick a team that has Kansas literally in its name. Yeah, and you know, I can hate just about anybody. I do hate the name Battle Line Rivalry, as oh, which is terrible. what they're trying to dub this. I don't know what you uh, want to call it. Borderline rivalry or battle line? Borderlines, whatever. Borderline, not borderline battle, borderline rivalry, whatever it is, it's shit. Yeah. They um, can't use the word war anymore. No. Border war, like when the Kansas was doing it, no. I know that they're like, you can't use the word war. I think they brought that bat near the end, but then it didn't. Well, matter. they just couldn't stop it, you yeah. know, because, you know, because the dick bags that were saying it's too, they're too precious to let us use the word war. Well, I think we've that, we put a nice little bow on uh, the Tennessee win. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure we didn't talk about everything, but uh, it was great or to anything. see another big road win, a hundred thousand seat stadium, disappointed yeah. by our beloved Tigers. And so, so when we come back, we're going to do uh, a little bit of uh, a game we've played earlier in the year called Factor Fiction Tennessee Edition, where we're going to learn a little bit about uh, the team we just played and uh, the team we're going to see throughout. The upcoming seasons in SEC. So look forward to that, Tiger fans. We'll see you soon. This is the Mazzotcast. Stop! Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. And we're back, and we're not quite through talking about Tennessee just yet. We're going to look back at a little bit about the culture of Tennessee. You know, we uh, enjoyed kicking their ass, but let's learn a little bit about these volunteers who we played. We're going to play Fact or Fiction, Tennessee Edition. Fact or Fiction? So, Colin, I'm going to list a couple 
facts or fiction points about Tennessee, and you're going to have to decide whether what I said is in fact true or whether it is uh, completely made up from whole cloth. Are you ready? I think I am. All right, let's do this. Woohoo! So, our first Tennessee fact is Tennessee is in fact the birthplace of the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> oh boy. Really? I I want to say yes, but I just like I feel like it's deeper south would be the mm. home home of the Ku Klux Klan, but you know what? Fuck it. Let's, yeah, sure it is. Why not? You're absolutely correct. Tennessee is in fact the birthplace not, of the Ku Klux Klan. It's a birth of, birthplace of racism kind of. Yeah, well, in the modern era, at least the epicenter, um, yeah. Pulaski, Tennessee, you can take proud ownership of the fact that you brought forth one of the biggest hate organizations in our nation's history. So, well done, Tennessee. Yeah. Nice done. Nicely <laughs> done. Our second factoid is: in Tennessee, unmarried women over the age of twenty-five must pay a higher income tax. <laughs> Gosh, I hope that's true. Well, I'm going to say false. There's no way that's possibly true. Well, I mean, I don't know how many women or men actually work in Tennessee. Uh, so you're going to go with nay on the uh, income tax law? Yeah, I'm saying no. That, again, is correct. That is not, in fact, true. Um, unmarried women pay the same, you know, 1% or a chicken for in- income tax. I don't know whichever comes first. So let's see. Let's read another one here. Uh, no Christian parent may require their children to pick up garbage from the highway on Easter Sunday. That seems oddly specific. <laughs> wow. I'm going to say true just because, man, the, the, the specifics of that are so such that it makes me feel like it couldn't be false. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It is illegal to I'm pick up garbage. Three for three. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just think that's the golden rule, really. Yeah, I mean... I'm glad. I don't see why they had to put that down on paper. That just kind of goes without saying, I would think. Um, I don't know what the punishment is. I don't, I don't, not sure what. <laughs> they brought, take away the Easter candy. What, right. what constituted needing that, that put on the books, but. Well, Tennessee's a fucked up state. That's yeah, what we're sure getting is, at. sure is. That's the roundabout way of getting to it. So let's see. Uh, in Tennessee, it is perfectly legal to gather and consume roadkill. Um, well, this is a no-brainer. Of course it is. Oh, these people got to eat. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Of course it is. You're completely correct. Um, in I mean, fact, that's... it's the main way they consume any sort of calories in Tennessee. <laughs> I feel like if, this, if there was a lob in a softball-sized question at me, Brendan, that was it. <laughs> I knocked it out of the park, too. They do deep fry it first, uh, however. Let's see uh, another question or another uh, factoid here. You can legally pass on your estate to your chickens or guinea fowl in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say no. That's probably not true. I don't know where you're coming up with that idea because you're right. It is not true. Although, I'm, I'm sure it's been tried. Well, but the reason I say it's um, probably false is because it probably has been tried. Mm-hmm. And after some loved one lost their estate to a chicken, they they were like, we got to go to the legislature and pass a bill that this can't happen again. Our government's got to get the important things done. Yeah, so let's make sure that people can get their inheritance and not lose out two guineas. Okay, last factoid. It is illegal to carry a skunk into the state of Tennessee. <laughs> I don't... Wow. Oh, gosh. Holy... <laughs> Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's probably illegal. It's probably You're illegal. absolutely right. It is illegal. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> I don't, I don't, well, again, what what precipitated needing this law in the books? <laughs> I, need, I need explanation for some of this stuff. I don't know how it came about, but I have to 
I would bet a million dollars that during the discussion about passing this law, the term polecat was used. <laughs> wow, Tennessee, you are one fucked up place. You are indeed. I'm glad we whipped your ass. I'm glad we whipped South Carolina's ass. I'm sorry we got beat by Georgia, but goddamn, I can't wait to play Factor Fiction against Arkansas. Man, that, that's going to be a good Factor Fiction game. <laughs> I don't know if we got enough time. I don't either. I will have to extend the podcast by at least half an hour. <laughs> so that'll do it. I think we're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to look over the SEC. It was a really shitty slate of games, so look forward to our terrible analysis. This is the Mazotcast. Loves football. This is the biggest win in our uh, in our program history. I am absolutely honored to be a part of it. Absolutely honored. I just want to thank number one, my Lord and Savior Jesus. I uh, couldn't have done without him. It was a great day for me overall. You know, I'm pleased and I had to, you know, give thanks to to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's one reason that I'm standing up on this stage today. That's because of my Lord up above. I gotta say thanks to Jesus. We're having some of these close games going our way, but, you know, I read Psalm 37-4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you desires of your heart. And just think about that, just being delighted by, by Jesus, regardless of win or loss. And I praise the name of Jesus. Uh, you know, I've been through a lot of hard times, and these losses have been hard. But I praise the name of God because he stayed faithful through it all. Well, first and foremost, I'd have to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh... And we're back, and as we discussed, Missouri is in the driver's seat in the SEC Eastern Division, but there were a few SEC games going on besides ours against Tennessee this week. Actually, not too many. There were a bunch of dog shit games this Yeah, and if November. I can complain for a minute, I watched the SEC Network after the uh, Tiger win, and despite the fact that the Tigers and Tennessee being the only game of really any real consequence in the SEC, it really got as little coverage as any game on the docket. I mean, they were really more concerned with Western Carolina versus Alabama. I mean, they spent a lot of time on that game. And I was just like, or Charleston Southern versus Georgia. I was just, I could not believe how much time these games got and how little time Tennessee, Missouri got. It really makes you understand that even, even when there's something to play for on the East, if Missouri's involved, <laughs> like the West will absolutely take precedent no matter what. It's like Paul Feinbaum actually runs the SEC network. <laughs> I'm going to just list off some names of some high-caliber SEC opponents and let you know that this is the entire docket of teams that went up against the vaunted, powerful SEC this week, late November, to decide titles, decide bowl games. Eastern Kentucky, Charleston Southern, South Alabama, Western Carolina, Samford, (laughs) and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, unfortunately, is on the slate every week. Yep. So uh, these teams were actually on the docket. And I mentioned before, I think part of that is that some of these teams went up against big name in-conference competition early. But why did they put them in the late I wonder if it's almost a get-healthy kind of thing. Like I guess, but it's almost an embarrassment to the conference in some degree, isn't it? Well, I don't, I don't think it's an embarrassment. Everybody's got to pay, play their cupcakes. Missouri's just... Uh, traditionally always done at the beginning of the season because that's kind of the way the Big 12 does it, does it. And apparently, now that we're part of the SEC, the SEC kind of mixes it up a little towards the back end. But I wonder if Missouri will move towards that in the that future years. But, yeah. Well, let's look at some of the games. The uh, Florida played Eastern Kentucky, and they walloped them 52-3. to This was Will Muschamp's final game at home for the Gators. I think they're going to go on to play uh, Florida State, and I pray 
to Buddha, Allah, and uh, Jesus. 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 That uh, that's a name, right? That's a name. Yes. Okay. Uh, that <laughs> they will beat the miserable son of a bitch that is Jameis Winston. That would be fantastic way for oh, a Will Muschamp to go out. It as really. A I might put a statue up of Will Muschamp. I heard a theory on uh, on the Feinbaum show that part of the reason they fired him or gave him the axe two weeks before this game was the last thing they wanted to happen was for Florida to win a couple more games and then go in and beat the number one team in the nation and then try to fire Muschamp. Because I guess the the, that makes sense. the AD was like, I want to be rid of this guy. But yeah. he didn't want a circumstance where this he guy won a, yeah, gets, wins a bunch of games, beats the number one team in the country, and then he's firing that guy. And as, as screwed up as Florida has been the last couple of years – it's not out of the realm of possibility. No. Florida State doesn't well, look Well, actually, that good. since they since they've dropped the the axe on um, Muschamp, everybody seems like they're playing a little freer and looser. And Muschamp himself, I yeah, saw him in seemed, the post game press conference. He seemed like he's free as a bird. Yeah. So I mean, I think honestly, um, really, truthfully, I had to pick this game. I'd almost pick Florida. I mean, that's how much I'm starting to go. Is Florida gonna kick? I'd love it. I I I. I would I not think be surprised. Overrated. I think they're overrated. I think everybody feels they're overrated to some degree. I mean, they're they're not playing anybody. They almost got beat by Boston. They didn't almost get beat, but they played a close game against Boston College. And this then week. they, they were got... down by Miami. Yeah, Miami deep and late last week. Uh, it could happen. I'd love for it to happen. But anyway, this week's game was important because uh, Florida won fifty-two to three. They're going into that game with a lot of confidence, and they sent their uh, coach off to his final home game with a with a big win. That made them bowl eligible. They're now six and four. So. Another SEC team that's in a bowl. The entire, by the way, the entire Western Division is now bowl eligible after this week. Nicely done. So, but the SEC is not better than any other conference, Brennan. Just remember oh, right. that. I'm sorry, I forgot to. I forgot. That. We are at best equal with other conferences, but not not better. <laughs> okay, glad. Thanks for straightening me out. <laughs> Georgia. They played uh, Charleston Southern. They won 55 to nine. This game was of really little consequence to anybody. It was not a conference game, so it didn't affect the race with Missouri. Georgia's now nine and two, six and zero oh at home. Uh, of course, they're six and two in conference behind us. Charleston Southern apparent has a team, and that'll be the end of that conversation. <laughs> South Carolina played South Alabama in true South Carolina style this week. Uh, didn't run away with it. It was 37-12 to 12 was the final score. They're now 6-5, and five, also bowl eligible. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite how bad they are, these teams, you know, they, they're pulling off 500 seasons. Yeah. Uh, the big game, you know, Colin mentioned that people were focusing on other games in the SEC. The big game was really Ole Miss versus Arkansas. Arkansas unranked, although coming off a big win against LSU, they shut them out seventeen to nothing. Yeah, plays against a top ten opponent, Ole Miss, number eight in the country, thirty to nothing, Arkansas. I can't believe this. Between LSU and Ole Miss, Arkansas has now outscored their opponents forty-seven to zero in the last two games. Arkansas could not be playing better football. Coming in, coming into Columbia. I mean, they really could not be playing better football. Their coach seems wildly confident. The team seems wildly confident. Everybody, everything seems to be breaking Arkansas's way now. And I, we've been saying it all year. I mean, Arkansas looks really good. They're the best looking bad record team you're ever going to see, and really not that bad. Six and five, but bowl eligible. Two and five, and at the SEC though. But you know, they played Alabama within one point. Mm-hmm. Um, they've given everybody they've played all they wanted. And now they're finally starting to tip the balance and win these football games. I feel confident with Mizzou because our defense is so good. But really, I mean, there are a lot of teams I'd rather be playing next week than Arkansas. Absolutely. The only uh, glass-half-full take I'll have on this is that 
I was very scared looking deep into the season that Arkansas was going to do this, but they were going to wait until the Missouri game to yeah. start. And they they beat LSU. They got they beat Ole Miss. They beat them both handily. They got the monkey off their back. With, for if we win this game, it legitimizes us a little bit. I think absolutely. Having beat uh, well, LSU, and I'll tell you what, the last two games legitimize us a little bit. I mean, I know A and M and Tennessee have fallen off. Tennessee was never that good this year, but they were decent. SEC opponents, and they were at home, and we kicked their ass. And we were underdogs in both of those games. We've been underdogs. So, so like, according to every, you know, quote-unquote expert. I think every road game we played this year, we've been the underdog, and we've won every single game. So, fuck you, everybody. (laughs) Um, That's the message I have for this season. (laughs) The one thing that scares me about Arkansas is just simply that they they lean on the run a little bit. And if I guess if there's a weakness in our defense, it is that we have been burned up the middle a little bit here and there. You know, I like the idea of, of quarterbacks having to drop back against our pass rush a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's true. I liked I would like the idea of Mizzou going out and, and grabbing a, a couple score lead early in this one and letting, letting our defensive ends pin their ears back a little bit and make Arkansas's day very long. But Arkansas is known for a very, having a very big, physical offensive line and we it's going to be a really cool matchup to see our just fucking awesome defensive line uh butt heads with their their guys on the o-line one thing i think that's made our defense look even better the last two games everybody knows that our defensive linemen especially our uh defensive ends have played really well but our linebackers have played particularly well the last two games uh brothers and uh sure have really stuff plays up the middle. They've really read uh, passing play screens better than they ever have before. I think before. part of that, Brendan, is um, the result of improved play by the interior defensive line. I mean, with uh, Brantley and Augusta, Vincent. they're occupying blockers, and therefore the the linebackers kind of run free. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a direct result of how well the interior defensive line is playing. I mean, they're really starting to... to uh, you know, become the match for their defensive ends. Right. And the the great part about the interior defensive line is they're young. You know, they're, they're sophomores. Yeah. yeah. So Augusta, you know, we're at least probably going to get Brantley. one more year out of those fellas. So yeah, that's fantastic. And and you're you're right. That will be a great matchup. Uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We've got a couple of other games that were on the docket: Alabama versus Western Carolina. It was again inconsequential. Alabama won forty eight to fourteen. Alabama is now ten and one, and had no problem with Western Carolina. Auburn played Samford. They won thirty-one to seven. They're now eight and three. And finally, Mississippi State, the number four team in the country, who is hanging on to the last playoff spot, beat lowly Vanderbilt fifty-one to zero. They're now ten and one, six and one in the SEC. Yeah, Mississippi State scored twenty-four points in the second quarter alone. <laughs> Reminds me of our third quarter against AM last week. It sure does. So that's all that happened. Again, the most consequential thing for me besides our own game was the Arkansas game against Ole Miss. Uh, You know, and as good as Arkansas played, I think it may have uh, sort of shown that Ole Miss was not quite as good as they were built up to be earlier in the season. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back, as I'm apt to do. And then I said early on in this year, I don't believe that um, Ole Miss is actually a contender. I believe they are a pretender. And, uh, you know, they have shown that – no, listen – that being said, they're a good football team. I just meant I just mean when I say that that they're not competing for um, the title the title of of SEC West champion. Yeah, they're not a top five team in the country. No, um, as as they may have been. Um, well, they were like eighth, I think. Yeah, but I mean earlier in the oh, season sure, sure. before a couple of losses. So anyway, next week, the first week, the last week of the regular season. Missouri does not care about the outcome of any game because the Georgia uh, Georgia will not be playing a conference game. They'll be playing Georgia Tech at home. 
so it won't have any effect on the SEC East race. But let's talk about some of the games coming up. Carolina will be playing its traditional game against Clemson. That's one of those games where it means probably it's their playoff. Really yeah, they they that's one of those games where it means a whole bunch to them. Um, I've heard people make the uh, argument that if South Carolina loses this game to Clemson, that maybe the tide starts to turn a little bit on Spurrier, and that maybe there's been a little you know grumblings that the old head football coach you know maybe isn't. Lost his fastball. Yeah, exactly. And that if they go in and, and get beat by Clemson, that despite the fact that Clemson is ranked 22 and probably a better football team at this point, um, that that wouldn't bode well for Steve Spurrier. Yeah, so Georgia's playing Georgia Tech, as I mentioned. That one's another one where it doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot for Georgia. They've Their SEC record is clinched already. Mm-hmm. They're not in contention for a playoff spot. Uh, it does matter as far as bowl shuffling and where they might end it's up. It's a good game, though. It is a great game. Georgia Tech's ranked 18th. They're 9-2. and 10. They're no they're slouch. Not, they're not in contention for a playoff spot. But again, kind of like Missouri, I wonder if, they, if Georgia were to get to the SEC or SEC championship game and beat whoever comes out of the West, would they really? I mean, their two losses were to South Carolina and Florida. I, I just, know, but I just have a hard time believing that if somebody wins the SEC, that they would not be in the playoff. I just have a hard time swallowing that pill. I, I, it's it's all all things are possible, but there's so many two, one two loss teams at this point. It's so clogged up. Well, certainly, I guess people would give them give people all the ammunition they needed for an SEC biased argument if an SEC team snuck in with two losses. But it's still, I mean, yeah. Well, at this point, I'm going to go ahead and say they're not in contention for a playoff. No, no, I'd uh, say you're right. Flesh out right now. So Kentucky again is playing another in-state rival, Louisville, who's number 24 in the country. I'd love to see Kentucky win that game. They're five and six. That would make them bowl eligible. It would uh, knock another ACC team out of the. You know, it would make them look worse, which yeah. I'm glad about because that would delegitimize Florida State even more. So, uh, not that they Louisville beat Florida State, but just the conference being weak, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm rooting for Kentucky now. Well, and the, really, who who am I forgetting here, Brennan? But if Kentucky gets becomes bowl eligible, is is Vanderbilt literally going to be the only team in the entire conference that is not bowl eligible? That's a that's a big deal, kind of. I think. Christ, <laughs> it, you know, it is true. I mean. We mentioned that every team in the West is bowl eligible. Half, over half the East is bowl eligible. The bad teams in this conference are not are winning teams. You yeah, know exactly. So uh, Mississippi State's playing Ole Miss, the Egg Bowl. This is a one of the biggest Egg Bowls in history. It was at one point it was going to look like it was one of the top two teams in, or two of the top two teams in the country playing each other. Of course, Ole Miss has fallen off. Ole Miss was ranked eighth going into this week. Mississippi State's going to stay at four, I'm sure. Big deal for Mississippi State because they have to win out to remain in the playoff hunt. Ole Miss is trying to play for pride. Yeah, at this point, I think Ole Miss's motivation this game is like, let's kick Mississippi State out of the playoff. I mean, that's going to be their that's going to be their Super Bowl. Absolutely, and and, and it almost always is the Egg Bowl. And most years, Ole Miss is favored over a Mississippi State team, but this year they are going to be by far the underdog. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Auburn will be playing Alabama. Everybody the Iron Bowl. Loves, everybody loves the Iron Bowl. And, of course, everybody remembers how that ended last year. It was one of the most historic games, not just in Iron Bowl history, in college football history, with the uh, under-kicked field goal attempt that Auburn caught and ran back <laughs> for a touchdown to end up unseating Alabama for the SEC West title. I can't imagine how many prostitutes Nick Saban strangled that night. Uh, all the prostitutes, <laughs> all the Alabama to offer in his uh, income bracket. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Auburn went in, of course, to win the SEC 
title over Missouri in the championship game in Atlanta and then play Florida State for the national title, which they went ahead and lost. But that game vaulted them into that position. Then there's Tennessee Vanderbilt. We talked about bowl eligibility. This game will do it for Tennessee if they can knock off Vanderbilt. One would think that they could. Yep. Um, but uh, Vanderbilt sitting at three and eight, Tennessee at five and six. I think what we saw from Tennessee is they're a very capable team. They got a lot of problems, but they can. <laughs> the line... I think they got a decent enough offense that against any defense that isn't Mizzou, they're going to be able to score some points. I don't trust Vanderbilt's ability to score points at all, so I feel that they're pretty. They're pretty hefty. Uh, favorite in this game. Yeah, you know, a lot of times when we go over these things on the weekend, the lines haven't come out yet, but for some of these games they have. Tennessee's a 15-point favorite. Alabama's a 9-point favorite over Auburn. Mississippi State and Ole Miss, actually, that's almost dead heat. Uh, Mississippi State's uh, the one-point favorite. The one game we haven't talked about is a Thursday night game, Thanksgiving game, A&M versus LSU. These teams are, there's another uh, on-air fart from Colin. Congratulations for making that happen. Thanks. Uh, LSU, Texas A&M, seven and four. This is a pride game. This is a this is a bowl position game. A&M trying to prove themselves. LSU. What happened to A&M? But I remember I remember, <laughs> I remember podcast you saying that they look like the best team in the SEC early on. You're like, I'm not picking against them until they give me a reason to. And now, how far have they fallen? They they've fallen low. You know, Kenny Thrills is not even their starting Kenny quarterback. Trill. Yeah, he's not even their starting quarterback anymore. It, I don't know how it happened other than like i said i've been saying a long time i feel like their coach may be a dum-dum um but yeah they have fallen low lsu at one point i thought was just going to be an upset making dynamo and i thought they could even sneak into the the sec west picture and they kind of uh have fallen off but still an incredibly tough team but yeah two teams that are absolutely playing for pride if i was a gambler this is a game i'd stay away from mm-hmm. and this is again two teams that, that doesn't mean anything they're both seven and four good teams so Anyway, and then that takes us to the Friday night game, which of course is Missouri and Arkansas. There is no line on this one. Uh, Missouri's coming in at nine and two. Arkansas six and five. Uh, everything on the line for Missouri when they come into Columbia for the first of the ever border line rivalry against the Hogs. So all things going Hog way the mm-hmm. last two weeks. Yeah. Hopefully Missouri can make it stuff. We talked about it a lot. I feel like though, you know. Boy, it'd be nice if Arkansas was still playing the way they played earlier on in the season for Missouri on the whole. But, man, this the way that Arkansas is playing makes this look like a super awesome game. Yeah. That's, uh, that's my sweet analysis. I, you know, I th- Hashtag analysis. <laughs> it's of the games going up, you know, we talked about a couple of big ones, the Iron Bowl, the Egg Bowl, but certainly this uh, this Missouri Arkansas game for college football fans will has to be one of the best games you know that you've got to to watch coming into this Thanksgiving weekend when you're oh full of turkey. But I just pulled up something on the computer that I have not yet seen. <laughs> yeah, I did a little Google search for Brett Belima and we and, and wife. That is uh, the fat disgusting pig that is Arkansas's head coach with his wife. And he is a fat disgusting pig, but his wife is wow. She's half his age and built like a supermodel, and uh, one has to think they married for love. <laughs> it's definitely love. Yeah, so. I can see the love in their eyes when they look at each other. I can see what he loves, um, but I don't know that Good it's Lord. <laughs> that man's wrecking some fine, fine stuff. So anyway, that's an important aspect of the game. A lot of the coverage you're not going to hear talked about. Yeah, so. you're not going to hear this on the Fine Balm Show, <laughs> Brett wife is an absolute smoking hottie so there you have it 
Anyway, that'll that's the SEC picture. That's the final SEC outlook until uh, bowl season comes around. Hopefully, we fucking nailed that. I, I felt really good about it. All right. I think this will get us. Are there awards for podcasts? Absolutely. We got to submit this Peabody. one. Peabody. Yeah. Yeah. Nobel. Nobel. Do they do a podcast award. You know, the next SEC outlook will be the SEC championship game, and I'd like to think the Tigers will be a contender in it because we are going to thrash the chances for the Tigers against what will likely be Alabama. Yeah. So anyway, go Tigers. Hopefully we pull off that Arkansas win. What we're going to do is take a break and then we're going to go into a little change of pace. We usually do. Yeah, we're going to throw, we're going to throw a curveball at you guys. So be ready for that. Yeah. Why don't you take a seat? You're going to need it. When you come back, we're going to have Arkansas news. Usually you start this segment by saying, and everybody knows what that sound means. But nobody knows what it means this week. We're switching it up. Kansas is a little tired right now because they're, of course, terrible. They got slaughtered by Oklahoma. Who cares? Well, you know, I think, Brendan, we're doing our part build this rivalry. It's what the SEC wants. Mm-hmm. They want Missouri. They want Arkansas. They want us to be rivals. And so what better way to help build that Arkansas-Missouri brand than to say, fuck Arkansas. Fuck Arkansas. I always heard there were three kinds of suns. Arkansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. Fuck. Arkansas. (laughs) So before we get into it, I will go back to one little nugget of Kansas news. They did seed the most running yards to a single running back in a single game. In Division I college football. College football history to an Oklahoma running back. So congratulations, Kansas Jayhawks. You're, you're officially in the record books. <laughs> On the receiving end of one of the most embarrassing defensive plays of all time. One of the most embarrassing rushing attack ass poundings any team has ever taken. So good job. And that's really all the news we needed because now it's Arkansas time. Yeah. Fuck Arkansas. Arkansas. Fuck Arkansas. Arkansas. So my first story for Fuck Arkansas, Arkansas. the inaugural edition, is uh, comes to us from a news television channel. Uh, out of Jonesboro, Arkansas, K-A-I-T, Channel 8. The story is, dog eats paralyzed man's testicle. <laughs> a dog is supposed to be man's... It's a female dog, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't uh, say. We're going to have to dig into this. A dog is supposed to be man's best friend, but you wouldn't wish this pooch on your worst enemy. The dog's owner, a paralyzed... Did they use the word pooch? <laughs> they sure did. Good, go on. The dog's owner, a paralyzed man in Truman, Arkansas, recently adopted a small, white, fluffy stray in hopes of having the lovable animal as a companion. Good Lord. Instead, the dog had to be euthanized after it bit off one of the man's testicles while he was asleep on Monday morning. The man who told police he had no feeling from the waist down woke up with a burning pain in his midsection. He looked down and found his newly adopted dog between his legs. The 39-year-old victim told police he sleeps in the nude... Then noticed his dog had blood on its feet and muzzle. That's when he realized the dog had eaten one of his testicles. Well, it's almost his own fault because of how much his testicles smell like spam. <laughs> he doesn't say, I know he sleeps in the nude. I mean, no questions asked. Yeah. Does he rub his balls in bacon? <laughs> well, he's, uh, this he's paralyzed. He's sitting all the time. He probably drops a lot of spam, bacon, those sorts of things into his crotch whole area. Yeah, it catches a lot of Plus, debris. Plus, you know, dogs just love stuff that stinks, and this guy's balls probably smell awful. I would think so. I mean, he, he can't feel down there. He doesn't know if he's getting it all. It's probably good and cheesy. Nice aroma mm, for a pooch. Yeah. A Pungent. pooch. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, when he realized the dog had eaten one of his testicles, the man was taken to an area hospital to be treated for his injuries. 
The dog, which had been adopted by the man three weeks earlier, was unfortunately euthanized. So this rescue for this dog did not turn out to be a, you know, who rescued who situation. <laughs> no, there's no bumper sticker involved in this bad boy, I don't think. Uh, the dog was tested for, the remains were tested for rabies, because <laughs> you don't want rabies of the testicle. No, that's tough. Um, as unusual as this story is, it's not the only gonad-related incident that occurred in recent months. In April, a shopkeeper in the Chinese city of Haiku, I guess that's the same place as the poems, reportedly died of shock after having his family jewels locked in a vice grip by an irate woman. In March, suspected Florida escort Priscilla Vaughn was arrested for allegedly eviscerating the testicles and biting the penis of one of her male clients. So good news out of Arkansas. Um, um, Arkansas, this is... Uh... A good way to start. I was just going to say, you know, this is our first ever attempt at Arkansas News. Starting off strong. Yeah. Way to go, Arkansas. So, let's see. Your football thing. Football (laughs) team isn't the only thing on a hot streak. According to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, the National Park Service doesn't allow just anyone to conduct a a search for Bigfoot. As well, they shouldn't. A man conducting a group mission to track down Sasquatch was halted by park rangers who told him he needed a permit. That's because the leader of the search around the Buffalo National River had charged people money to join in from three to $500. In other uh, words... I was about to say, it's like, why wouldn't you say, oh, did I say Bigfoot? I mean, I'm searching for box turtles. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Apparently there was a paper trail. Uh, Matt Pruitt of the Bigfoot, Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization had to pay a $525 fine. I think it was a fairly innocent mistake, he said. The chief ranger explains, we're not in this to make a lot of money, but we are in this to protect our resources. I guess the resource being... Mm, Sasquatch. Bigfoot, yeah. Um, if he's got people running around the park, who knows what they're do- what they're doing looking for this elusive creature. So are the, are the um, park rangers kind of... Are they saying that they believe that Sasquatch is real by indulging this like say we don't know what they're doing looking for this elusive creature are they saying that they believe this elusive creature is alive and well unfortunately based on those comments i have to think that they are keeping the the mythology of bigfoot alive the story (laughs) the story uh finishes by saying spoiler alert bigfoot remains at large (laughs) so uh i'm shocked they didn't catch him i know well you know if if all this bureaucracy that's really what's holding the search up if you ask me you gotta get permits now all these years we're never gonna find him the reason I didn't know the government reason we haven't tape. found him is that the government stands in our way, yeah. as they so often do. Totally. Just red tape. Bureaucracy. That's awful. So, you know what? I wish our legislature would address these important issues. I know. All right. We got another big, important Arkansas story. They're coming at us hot and heavy. Arkansas toe-sucking suspect still being pursued by police. <laughs> A toe-sucking bandit is on the loose in central Arkansas. The man... Bernard, I'm going to need you to continue. I'm curious how some man who uh, is guilty of sucking toes is so elusive like Sasquatch. (laughs) Slippery like the toes he sucks. (laughs) The man has allegedly approached two women in the area and asked to suck their toes. A third victim... Okay, asking them to suck toes doesn't seem like a victim situation. I feel like you just say no and you move about your day. And then you tell your friends, some dumb idiot asked me to suck my toes yeah i was both uh i was both flattered and mortified yeah um that's against the law to ask i mean the guy he politely asked me to suck my toes officer (laughs) and then when i said no he left i don't know lock him up i don't know what the arkansas legal system uh 
We'll have to interview a few Arkansas lawyers and see what toe-sucking exactly where it falls into the jurisprudence system in Arkansas. A third victim, an elderly woman, said a man approached her while she was sitting outside her apartment and forced her toes into his mouth, according to the Associated Press. Now Now there's a crime. Now we're getting somewhere. (laughs) The two women described the suspect as a white middle-aged male. I would have guessed this. This is white guy crime. This is definitely white guy crime. This is not... He was a heavy set Latino. No, this is totally creepy white guy. Yeah, creepy white guy is the kind of guy you're going to suck toes, you know, like feather on the asshole kind of situations. Yep. Um, That's why we're all, the white guys are always serial killers. If it's creepy and weird, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And there's heads in a freezer, you can pretty much count on creepy white guy. Yeah, and as a, la- as a lifelong white guy, I'm just going to say, yeah... I'm totally Gu- into this stuff. Guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally into this stuff. <laughs> this is what we do. Anyway, similar attacks occurred in the 90s, apparently, by a man who became known as the Toe Suck Fairy. Wow, that name is really offensive, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> the attacker posed as a, as a podiatrist. Very smart cover. Wow. Yep. You know, if you're going to suck toes... <laughs> You don't nope. want to be an ear, nose, and throat doctor. No, no, you do not. Uh, so he poses as a podiatrist to caress and suck the woman's toes at a local store, according to Reuters. So, whoa, 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 whoa. So he's pretending to be a podiatrist, and that gives him carte blanche to suck toes in a grocery store? <laughs> I just, I, the, the cover's blown. <laughs> I got a lot of questions. I mean, I know, I, I don't think I've ever been to a podiatrist, but I would just assume that sucking on my toes was not part of the medical. <laughs> medical procedure no yeah and certainly i wouldn't think it would be at the local dollar general yeah i'm gonna need to take a look at your feet now let's head down to the five and dime let's take (laughs) (laughs) a year later the same man was convicted of making threats for telling a convenience store clerk that he wanted to cut off her feet and suck her toes while she bled to death and he served a little more than a year behind bars definitely white guy creeper stuff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> totally white guy creeper stuff. So, um, you know, if anything happens with this story next week, it may overshadow the Missouri-Arkansas game, I feel. Mm, yeah, I guess it's possible. I guess anything's possible. <laughs> I, I gotta say. I wish these two stories would, like, cross-section somehow. Like, uh, their Arkansas's coach would be caught having his toes sucked by someone. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, Arkansas is coming in strong with their uh, first ever Arkansas news. Yeah, fuck Arkansas. Arkansas. Is, um, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> so uh, the last one I'm going to bring you, it says uh, uh, b- a young man was accidentally shot by friend while playing zombie game in Arkansas. The story, <laughs> when you're using real guns, kids, it's not a game. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the It's lesson. life or death. <laughs> Literally. We all need to know. This article starts out with brains. A sixteen-year-old 16 Arkansas, sixteen-year-old Arkansas boy was hospitalized Monday after his friend accidentally shot him with a forty-caliber cal, uh, 40 handgun. Jesus, cops said. <laughs> Trevor Hargrove was playing a zombie game with his fifteen-year-old buddy and the twin and twin brother when the shooting occurred. Channel Five News reports police say Hargrove pointed an empty bow at the friend. Nico Sanders at his Fort Smith home. At some point, Sanders grabbed a handgun from his mother's nightstand and started playing with it. Hey, gang. Teenagers shouldn't play with uh, heavy caliber uh, handguns. Just going to throw that out there. Or crossbows? I mean, what? But I, uh, he reportedly pointed at Hargrove, fired it, striking him in the upper torso. What did he think would happen? I don't know. I don't know. Oh I God. do not know. On his Facebook page, Hargrove told his friends the shooting was an accident and he still can't move his left arm. It hurts really bad, but I'm doing better. Uh, he also left this picture posted after he was released from the hospital claiming that the hole in his neck was an entry wound. I'm showing it to Colin now. He looks a bit zombie-ish. Jesus. But he also looks like a fucking idiot. 
So uh, <laughs> I'm sure your parents are proud. Let me tell you something. We know we just talked about creepy white guy. This is definitely uh, creepy white kid crime. Uh, zombie game for somebody to get shot. Yeah, this is. I, I don't. I do feel like minority kids don't have time to fuck around with this idiotic shit. Yeah, when they're shooting at one another, it's life or death for real. I mean, they've got because it's because someone's literally shooting at them. Channel 5 News tracked down Hargrove's mother, Kim, who stressed the importance of gun safety. I bet she did. They're good. Like, for instance, keeping them in a drawer next to your bed. <laughs> Loaded. Yeah, exactly. They're good friends, and it was just an accident. And I just want all parents to know to keep guns locked and teach your kids gun safety, she said. Just well, that's be- pot calling the kettle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take lessons bring, from bring. you. Bring, bring. Hello, pot. This is kettle. <laughs> I am not taking my gun safety lessons from this lady. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just because the clip ain't in the gun doesn't mean there's not a bullet in the chamber, and somebody can get hurt bad. The shooting is being investigated as accidental, and no charges were filed. Hmm. Yeah. So that'll do it for the first ever Fuck Arkansas. Arkansas. It was a good one. It was a good one. <laughs> I can't help but feel like these two states, Kansas and Arkansas, are very similar in a lot of levels, Brennan. I know, and it's very, very unfortunate. We have to be geographically situated next to both of them. Yeah, it's like a retard sandwich. <laughs> it really is. We're the meat. <laughs> We are getting locked up from both sides like a pair of Chinese finger cuffs by these two moronic states. Oh, yeah, it's rough. So as I mentioned, Kansas is in the name of Arkansas. I can't help but think that that's polluted the people somehow. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. So I don't know if we if we lose next week, which God forbid, um, I think we're going to come back harder and meaner against the state of Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like they're going to make an, uh, an easy target. Why don't we do a prediction about that game? Uh, so we're going to finish up the show here. Uh, what do you think? How do you, what do you expect to see out of the uh, Tiger Arkansas? I'm going to say barn burner. Okay. 28-27 Mizzou. Wow. Close one. I will say Donnybrook. I think it's going to be 34-28 Mizzou. Hmm. So uh, mark it down, folks. Place your bets. That's yep. our Stone Cold Lock of the Week. Your I, Lana Lead Pipe Lock of the Week. <laughs> That's right. I do hope that after two strong wins that Arkansas has a letdown and their their yeah, defense I, plays a little bit like hot garbage. I, yeah, hot absolutely. Garbage. I'm ready to see a little hot garbage hot on the uh, garbage. Arkansas side of things. And I'm and also I'm I'm just super glad that Maddie Mock no longer plays like hot garbage. Hot I am too. <laughs> Definitely. Um, one thing we would be remiss if we did not finish a show up with Brennan. Uh, one of our favorite things is our Kurt Farmer's hair player of the game. Man, I almost always forget that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, we forgot to give Russell Hensborough his Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game award on the show last week. Thankfully, we were able to award it to him on Twitter, which he accepted. Yeah. Thank you, Russell. Yeah, I love that Russell Hensborough accepted. Somebody else did that. Uh, Was it Harold Brantley that also accepted his Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game with... uh, uh, Indeed, he did on Twitter. Yeah, Yeah, he he was glad to accept it. And why wouldn't you be? There have been a number of awards this year, and I think it's right up there with some of the SEC Player of the Week. uh, Yeah, fuck those guys. So let's do it. Let's give this one away. The uh, the week thirteen, uh, Kirk Missouri. Farmer's hair player of the game is Marcus Golden. Marcus Golden. You know, we had some discussion before the show about who we should give the award to because there were some good performances all around. But Marcus Golden is at full health, and he is playing like it. Yeah. He had a couple Multiple of sacks. sacks. He uh, he really was all over the field. He not only did he have a lot of uh, sa- uh, tackles. Uh, for a loss and a lot of hurry ups on the quarterback, eyebrowless uh, wonder. He he. There was a couple plays where he would read a screen and redirect, mm-hmm. and was just like everywhere. Well, a lot of those big plays too came at the biggest moments, which is which is one of those signs of a great player. It's like yeah, it's one thing to get a sack early in the game when there's not a lot on the line, or if it's not on a third down, but. 
Marcus Golden came up with some big plays on and the biggest moments and uh man he played great in the last two games he has played great. He has looked the equal of Shane Ray, which is fucking difficult to do cuz Shane Ray is an absolute fucking superhero. He's a land beast and you know, the, I think one of the, my favorite moments, of course, was when Marcus Golden recovered the fumble, took the ball directly to Coach Steckel. Yeah. Here's the <laughs> ball, Coach. Yeah. So it was like a proud day for old Golden. So congratulations, Marcus. You are this week's Kirk's Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. Colin, I think, is that it? We're going to wrap it up on that, yeah, I guess. I think we did it. I think we did it. I've enjoyed this episode. And keep winning because it seems a lot more fun to record these Yeah, I, I, I have a lot more enthusiasm to record when we win. If we win next week, Brennan, I'm going to have a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, it's going to be great. because It's going to be great if we win not only because we win the SEC East and um, all the Georgia Bulldogs can suck it. Suck it! Um, but also because Arkansas looks so good. I feel like that would be a big win for us. So, you know. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so uh, full-on college football erection. <laughs> we, we got them. It's November erection time, folks. It's contagious. <laughs> Catch it while it's hot. So uh, <laughs> That's if, what I told my wife. <laughs> if you can't get enough Mazodcast, follow us on Twitter. We're there all week long while we should be working. And uh, you can also email us at any time. We'd be happy to send you out a Mazodcast sticker. And uh, just give us your thoughts. We'll, we'll air them on the show. We'd be happy to. And uh, thanks for listening. You know, on behalf of Brian, who's still getting over that gluten uh, hypochondriac disorder, and uh, Colin Steenbergen, I'm Brendan Steenbergen, and go Tigers. Go Tigers! Oh my dear God, do I fucking hate Kansas. Fuck Kansas. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.